we're getting back in. Uh, it's a very special Friday today. We're getting into the fall TV season. It is also uh, one last day for freedom for our co-host, Janelle Wheeler, who is uh, maybe on the run, but uh, also preparing for special things going on. So she can't be physically here with us today, but that's okay because we are with her in spirit as uh, she gets ready for her nuptials this weekend, a.k.a. a wedding. And let's just say we all hope it goes better than the last wedding we will be discussing today in House of the Dragon. Uh, let's hope it all goes better than that. But uh, we miss you in studio, but Janelle, congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited to party with uh, the comic book crew. We're going to be repping for yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, you know. Just, what a way to tie in a wedding, by the yeah, way. I, mean, <laughs> I know, both episodes, She-Hulk and Oh yeah, She-Hulk and House of the Dragon. They knew what so week crazy. It, people, they knew what week it was. Yeah, they knew they it was knew. Janelle Wheeler, Comic Book Nation host's wedding this week. So Marvel <laughs> and uh, and HBO, Time Warner, they line things up correctly. And that's the kind of respect we're accustomed to here. So <laughs> yes, uh, it's all about us. It's all for us. And uh, we're going to talk about it today. But uh, again, in all seriousness, uh, congratulations, Janelle, on falling into the uh, same trap that me and Matt have for many years now. <laughs> uh, welcome to the club. We have a lot to tell you. We'll, we have a file for you yes. when you're on the other I side. I have no regrets. Week. Oh, oh, no, I'm it's good. So I, good. I, I tell no my wife good. often I'd be dead now if not. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Thank you, honey. I know you're listening. You're very supportive. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's crazy. But, and our anniversaries will be one week apart. I did not know that. That's, uh, That's really awesome. crazy. Yeah. 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 I'm at 11 years. Look at my face. I'm wow. going to blink. I'm going to blink now. You, you do what you need to do interpretation. But uh, yes, we'll be one week apart. So uh, congratulations. We look forward to uh, celebrating Thank with you. Thank you. On to business. That was uh, the pleasure side. On to the business side. We got a couple weddings to talk about this week, as we said. But up first, we have a brand new Star Wars series that is out. Star Wars Andor has dropped, uh, giving us the backstory of Cassie and Andor, the elite hardcore spy from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. First three episodes dropped this week, and so we are going to take some time and review and discuss Andor in its the entirety of this first three-episode arc. And also talk about kind of where the reactions are falling and how do we feel about this project, which is, as I wrote for comicbook.com, Star Wars, um, very much unlike most of what we've seen mm -hmm. Star Wars ever produced. So that's a good jumping on point. Um, I'll make mine quick and very concise. Um, I love, and I've made no secrets about this, Andor is, run, is being made by Tony Gilroy, who is the director of the, and the writer of The Bourne Supremacy and The Bourne Ultimatum, the last two movies with Paul Greengrass and the shaky cam and all that. He wrote those. He wrote and directed The Bourne Legacy. He wrote and directed Michael Clayton, uh, the George Clooney kind of corporate lawyer movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Great too. movie. Great, Great movie, movie too. Um, and he also was the director and writer they brought in to Rogue One when kind of Gareth Edwards, the Godzilla director, him and Lucasfilm hit that turbulence making Rogue One. And so they brought in Tony Gilroy, who basically came in and was uncredited as <laughs> taking this movie and filming a whole new last section to it putting it all together, you know, basically putting his stylistic stamp on it and putting it in theaters without credit. So now he's making Andor, and it looks like Lucasfilm basically gave him the keys to the kingdom, said, thanks for that Rogue One thing. Here's something we'll let you do what you want to do. And he made a different kind of Star Wars show. 
the kind he's obviously been interested in since Rogue One. If you, we have Rogue One because uh, we started here at uh, when Rogue One was came that out. when that, that was, was the, yeah that was oh, 2016. Wow, that yeah. was when you and me and a whole bunch of other people started at Comic Book, and uh, it was like our first big movie that came out. Yeah, like yeah that year, and so yeah they've been talking about what kind of Star Wars they want to make, and this is it. Um, Andor is very much grounded in reality. There are aliens. It is very much the Star Wars universe, but everything's real. Like the sets are practical yeah. um, and built like full of extras who are doing stuff in the background. These worlds look very kind of visualized and, and, and physically made down to the yeah. details of the grit and the rust and the dirt and everything. And it's a show that is very much, uh, I always say that Storytellers, you know, whether they're painters or writers or directors, you know, most people in our lives, we get one story that we, you know, keep going over and over and tell different ways until we can tell it the best way we feel, you know? Yeah. And Tony Gilroy's is very much about Michael Clayton and all those things I mentioned. It's about people having to kind of make moral choices and what kind of moral choices in the moment lead to kind of bigger consequences and outcomes. And those are always his, his fascinating things. That's what Rogue One was very much about. So when people say it's like bang, boom, boom, when we meet all these characters, it's like, yeah, you meet a bunch of characters who have had all these lives yeah. and they get this one mission that makes them all kind of say, for this reason of mine, I believe in this and we're going to yeah. put it all on the line. And these are the choices they make and it sparks a whole rebellion, right? So Andor is very much about that in long form and I dig it. I dig that kind of story. I like seeing this world of Cassian Andor's in and his choices and how his choices affect everybody around him and makes them make choices and how these choices are slowly showing us how the empire kind of builds and spreads itself, but also how a rebellion within that empire will build and kind of spread and, and spark out. And so I dig this kind of thing, and I think this is very good alternative to Star Wars. I don't need it to be the whole Star Wars, but right. uh, it, it is very much for me what I, I think this needs, an adult corner of Star Wars, because it's very much an adult series. People, it's scarier and more intense. People curse. People have sex. You people know? die. People die <laughs> and, like, and really die. Like, like a liar. And, and not, in, not in a Star Wars just like, oh, a random laser fire and a guy sprawls. No, people get executed. There's no Batman yeah. Alfred here. Like this is like straight up like, good Lord, that cover, the, the header image here, our cover for the podcast couldn't be more fitting. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, people get in it and it ties to Rogue One and it yeah. echoes everything. Like, I mean, that first scene we'll talk about. Oh yeah, we're talking spoilers now. That first scene with Cassian Andor and killing those guys echoes the first scene we see of him in Rogue One when mm -hmm. he kills an informant to protect the secret of, you know, getting the, the Death Star. Is now. he the deadliest, is Cassian the deadliest dude in Star, like in Star Wars land? I made this land? joke on another podcast I do with some <laughs> friends um, that, you know, somebody sat down and was watching the original Star Wars and thinking about that whole Greedo shot first argument and was like, nah, can't have this. Han <laughs> shot first. And that's how it should be. And we need a guy who we know always shoots first. Yeah, there's no like stormtrooper yeah. thing here of like, oh, they don't ever hit anything. Like there's, that is not what this show is about. But it feeds into what you were saying. It's very set in, it's very yeah, grounded in that way. It's realistic, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, keep going. Well, no, I just think, I, I, one, number one, I actually think uh, All in the Game is bringing up some really interesting points in the comments because this is also the first Disney Plus show that is 12 episodes. Yeah. And so releasing the first three is a very interesting kind of change of pace. But you, you see why they do it, because they have 12 episodes. And I honestly think in this show's case, it needed three 
Yeah. Because three is the one that really, to me, kind of like, I, 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 after watching the episode, I went, okay, that's the one that sinks its hooks in and really will get the people that have kind of been on the fence. I really enjoyed the first episode. But the second episode kind of like did a little bit of that decompression thing where I was kind of like, okay, is there, do we, could we have, could we have moved these to, <laughs> to be two instead of three? There's a lot of stuff in the middle here that I feel like we could have moved some pieces around and gotten the point across and still like move the story forward and still had some of that, like you're able to exist in the world. That's okay. I like to be able to breathe. That's cool. Uh, but I did notice, and there has been some criticism of it's been a little slow out the yeah, gate. And well, I understand We're going to get to that. But um, yeah. yeah, but uh, Tony Gilroy is very much, I, I, I felt bad for the editors who had to make this into episodes. Because <laughs> some people say they make a show that's like one big movie and we're like, yeah, bro, okay. And some people make shows that are obviously for Twitter every week. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So... This one was obviously a movie because episode two just stops. Yeah. Like somebody's just walking somewhere and then it's just like credits and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what was that? And then you're just like, oh, and okay. The, and the editor was like, this is what I can do. Yeah, I yeah exactly. <laughs> We're releasing these as three, right? Because this is all I can do with this. Yeah. I feel bad for the story editors. But um, yeah, we'll get to the boring part, but let's hear uh, the bride's take. Yeah. Bride. Oh, gosh. I, well, okay, so Kofi already knows this, but I've had a really strange week where my internet has gone down twice. So I actually had to watch this on my phone, oh. um, which is not the best way to watch this. <laughs> Let me just say, like, I feel like this thing needs the glory of a big screen because there's so many beautiful details. Mm -hmm. So I was actually like doing this. Like I was like holding my phone at my nose, trying to like see everything. Um, but the fact that I could be interested and so engaged when I have all these distractions and yeah. I'm, you know, obviously like my headspace is crazy. I don't know much about this world at all. And I'm still so excited about the next episode. That's I awesome. mean, I think that's, and I'm watching it on my phone. I feel like they've done an incredible job of like, for people who are casual Star Wars viewers, I think they did a great job. You're right. Episode two, I wasn't as like engaged, but by the end of episode three, I was just like chomping at the bit to get the rest of the show. Diego Luna, have you rethinking, questioning your vows? Jenna? Don't let him <laughs> <Yeah>. sway. <laughs> Don't let him sway. He sways a lot of us. Don't let him get you. <laughs> This charm. Um, yeah, no. Um, all right. So, yes. So we were all engaged, I think. But we all agree. I mean, there's it's not nothing is without criticism. I'm right. not going to sit here and say it. But yeah, as a and what I will say to people and, and kind of putting this out there. And I don't know if a lot of people are saying this is it was screened for press. We got four episodes mm. and it was clear by the end why we got four episodes. It's because this first three episode is its own arc. And, the, and this is no secret. They've said this. The makers of the show, if you read the interviews, they've said this, is that this show will have kind of like arcs and then it will move in time. It's kind of House of the Dragony. It'll have arcs that move us forward in time yeah. um, to other arcs, to other important key missions that led up to where Cassian gets to in Rogue One. So I can tell you right off the bat without spoilers that there is no like big time jumper thing like that in episode four, but it definitely feels like a soft start of a new arc. Yeah. The show kind of changes in a significant way mm, um, and becomes more of what you would think is kind of the spy espionage act of it begins. Yeah. Which is not a surprise. I mean, that's where we ended yeah. in episode three. And so it shifts into more of that of a spy heist kind of thing. Um, and we will see that. And so 
I think it settles in, but these three episodes are their own arc, and that's why they had to do it. It's what is the kind of hitting the ground running of why Cassian gets motivated to first be a spy is because, you know, things go sideways with his yeah. killing, and he's got to get the hell out of there, and then he kind of gets conscripted in a way into being a spy, so... I get that. But um, yeah, the pacing and the kind of feel of the show will change in episode four. Not in a bad way, but just you'll be like, okay, well, this is more yeah. what I can envision as, you know, the spy training aspect of it all. And do you think coming away from episode four, the people who maybe are a little bit unsure if this can, if this particular story can hold 12 episodes? You think some of that will be, some of that doubt will be erased a bit with, with so. episode four? Okay. Episode four, like I said, it, it, it's just kind of a soft reboot in, in the sense that we also, like House of the Dragon this week, we will be getting uh, yeah. like new characters, new situations, and you get an expanded look at the characters you do know that maybe you didn't know. Like, um, you know, we learn more about Stellan mm -hmm. Skarsgård, and there's some scenes that are really great that begin to show you how this ties into the larger established Star Wars universe. Um, you know, you begin to see what more about like, you know, what's going on on Coruscant, things like that. Okay, cool. Uh, and so you get, yeah, this expanded picture and new Imperial characters that are interesting. So, yeah, interesting. It's going to be, episode four is going to be interesting, but um, I, I, I'm positive about it. Now, let's talk about some reactions to Andor. So I got this neighbor, right? And I live in this cul-de-sac. I got this neighbor. Our kids are friends. We play. He's a good guy. Shout out to Wes if you're listening. Um, but uh, he hit me yesterday. He, we saw each other. He was going on a date with his wife. I was outside playing with my kids and... He just, we always talk about things and, you know, he talks to me about content because he's, he loves geek stuff. He's a teacher. And he came to me and he was like, hey man, he was like, Andor. And he said the one thing that made me nearly oh, no. my head exploded. Oh, we had no. this weird, like kind of half tense dad conversation out in a cul-de-sac if you, if you want to hear some first world problems. Um, but he said, hey man, Andor needs a baby Yoda. And I was just like, oh my God. I was like... As my neighbor, a good guy, I was like, but you just said like the one thing that made me just want to oh, put down man. my stuff and be like, hey, man, nah, son, nah. Like, yeah, no. Uh, but I did. I started up. I was like, yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. And then like we just started the back and forth about it. But um, he was in the camp and I, and I said, I mean, like, that's that's it. What are you laughing about? Baby George Arkenfer. Well done, David. <laughs> oh, baby, right. well done. Oh, please let that happen. Please. Oh, no. I will be so happy. If no, that but yeah, the sentence came out that uh, Andor needs a baby Yoda. And yeah, I, I nearly I nearly <laughs> fell out. I was like, come on, man. No, um, I was like, no, Star Wars. We need an adult corner of Star Wars. This is it. Oh, whoa, whoa. we don't got to denegrate the I'm other. Not, but it's baby Yoda is definitely aiming for a different crowd than Andor He's a dork. I don't. I, I'm not hate. Who's hating baby Yoda? No, but I, I don't think he. Okay, Grogu, though. I got to stop calling him baby Yoda. I know. I'm trying to call him by his like actual name. So, so Grogu, I don't think Grogu necessarily like brings Mandalorian down to where not it's not. All. Yeah, I, but I don't. I also agree with you. Yeah, but I don't think everything needs poor it. Poor Tim getting smoked <laughs> in the stairwell, <laughs> and then Baby Yoda Grogu just walking out and like poking him. I like, agree with you. I don't think everything needs fit. though or that Andor character. Or and uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character <laughs> dodging all those dropping buckets and being like, "Gotta grab Grogu." Like, no, like we don't need that. Like that just. It's not <laughs> Kofi. Hey, Grogu confirmed. Uh, yeah, no, I do not. Baby Yoda exists in my merch. Exists in my house multiple times. I, I'm on the clear here i've paid star wars <laughs> um yeah but uh, i don't i don't think it needs that i i think no 
I think for better or worse, this is this is what the show is. And if you're looking for more of a week to week, something happens, then you're going to start to get that next week. And that's why they're releasing these episodically. Um, but no, I, I don't need that. Um, not only do I like this show, I also like the kind of level of actor they've brought to it. I, I think, and I've had this discussion again on another podcast I'm on, that this is the first show that makes Disney Plus and Star Wars actually feel like it could be an awards competition with like HBO mm. or Amazon or FX. This does have an HBO feel to it, I agree. Exactly. And, and I, I think sometimes it's weird because we get used to branding, but like people can watch, and we'll talk about this, like House of the Dragon is a talkie. A lot, mm -hmm. but people love it, and they love what those conversations are all about, and the tension and the political maneuvering. And I feel like we shouldn't have that bias against Star Wars just because it is Star Wars. This is kind of like prestige Star Wars, Star Wars black label, if you will. And I think, yeah. like again, and I'm not hating on Grogu, but I think we should make room for this to be a part of the franchise because this is what a lot of people wanted with Rogue One and the other standalones we thought we were getting, which were all going to be these franchise genre mixes, like the Boba Fett movie which was going to be this kind of dark and grittier movie. Like there was a lot we were looking forward to. So I don't know, but I, um, I'm enjoying it so far and I've seen episode four and I enjoyed it, I think, uh, the most. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm here for Andor. Me too. Yeah. It, I think it says a lot that Janelle literally watches on a phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. was like, and was sold. I think that's because there is like I watched it with like headphones on and like you know the the sounds stellar the you know like the mood it's it sets like there's so many things to watching this on a screen even though you know I was watching it on a nice display like that comes across and also I was not again Star Wars has done this twice now so I I love Rogue One like Rogue One's actually one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Me that too. That said, Cassian is not the character, like, out of all the characters in that movie. When they announced this, I was like, really? Like, it's to me, that's, like, the most boring choice. I'm like, really? Like, we're going to focus a whole show on this guy? Okay, fine. Like, I'll try it. But, like, I was not jazzed. And then I watched this. And the same thing was with Obi-Wan. When they announced that, I was like, oh, man. Like, do I need that? And then I came away from Obi-Wan like, this is one of my favorite Star Wars series. So did I. But then I saw the production values on this. And I went back and looked at some of Obi-Wan, like Obi-Wan episode two. And I was like, ooh. But like Andor has the possibility of also kind of jumping into that mix for me. And I'm like, it's twice. It's twice that a character that I was not enthused about at all. And they come in and they do some impressive stuff. And they tell some really engaging story. And so I agree with you. I like that the corners of the Star Wars universe are starting to kind of separate a little bit. Let's let's mix it up. I now, like it. I say all that and, I, and I'm about to contradict myself. Um, oh, boy. So a couple things. They've downplayed any Star Wars connections, but uh, there are there is room for that to happen in this show. Um, one of the things we wrote about that I was surprised a lot. You know, we were talking behind the scenes. But people, this is the first time in live action Star Wars that we've had a date established for it in it five BBY and people didn't know what that meant. And so even though we're hardcore like Star Wars heads and know like we have to read a lot of dating and write about it, a lot of people didn't know, but uh, five BBY, BBY means it's the Star Wars kind of time counting yeah. method. It's BBY and ABY, which is before Battle of Yavin and after Battle of Yavin, which is the final battle of the Death Star in the original Star Wars movie. And so everything in Star Wars is measured from that point, either before or after by however many years. So this is five years before Luke Skywalker and them will blow up the Death Star, right? Um, this is also the first year that Rebels starts, uh, Star Wars Rebels. Mm. So, you know, there's still theory out there that, you know, Cassie and Andor could run in and have dealings with anybody from like Rebels 
Um, obviously, Han Solo's operating at this time. There's a variety of people who are around that could show up. So I am hoping for a little of that. Yeah. Because as this guy's a spy and moving through certain worlds that we don't see Star Wars moving through a lot, there are other people who were kind of operating and trying to get a rebellion going at that time. So I hope we see some of those people as well. Um, yeah, that's going to be great. So I do want some Star Wars ties just to uh, contradict myself. <laughs> no, I don't trust that guy. So I don't ever just trust what he says, you know, you know, screw that guy. Um, but uh, I think there was something else I had, but now I'm forgetting it. So I guess it was hugely important. <laughs> Matt, how do you feel about uh, Latin Star Wars getting has getting a lot of love this week? Man. Diego Luna and um, so many appreciation posts for uh, Adria Arjona, who's uh, who plays Bix Kaline, you know, Cassian's quite not quite love interest, and in, you know, taking over, man. Yeah, like if freaking literally, Tim got shot. If, if DC that. can get its act together, we were talking about DC, the Latin explosion over DC, Star Wars, Marvel's got some characters kind of coming up through the ranks, right? Like, it's, uh, it's yeah. a good time, man. It's a good time. Good for Adira because, uh, you know, this is something better than Morbius. <laughs> or is it? I don't know. Janelle likes Morbius, right? Kind of, maybe, sort of. I liked Morbius. Yeah. yeah. Morbius is harmless on Netflix for free. It really is. <laughs> it really is harmless for Netflix. But for I didn't free. see it in the theater, so good point. Nobody likes Tim. Tim, everybody, there was a Twitter celebration for twi Tim getting murked in the first three Fs. People were like, that's how it should be done with annoying, with annoying boyfriends. Yeah. Shoot. Boom. Yeah. Jealousy ain't cool. It'd have been cool if, uh, what would have, yeah, snitching on your girls. Like, man, that's, that's big insecurity, Tim. See, I, think that's, big insecurity. see I think that's where the. And she showed up at your house that night, man. You were just. That's where the big thing is. I Like the jealousy thing, like people can take that, right? Cause like, okay, maybe you'll come back around. Maybe you'll like learn like to move past that, right? There's, there's, there's room to salvage that. But when you start snitching and you start like really like doing that stuff. Like <laughs> it's done. Your ticket yeah. has been has been cashed. No, anybody's ever lived in a real city neighborhood, and or and or really uh, nailed that thing. You were like, that's right. Community can't have just, that. just ask Community Frank Joe on have, the subject. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, community cannot have snitches. No, no. <laughs> Boo, Tim is right in the comments oh later, Tim. Um, but yeah, no. The cast is really good. Like Kyle Solar as Cyril Karn, the uh, the um, deputy inspector guy. Mm -hmm. Like just this is like that's what I love about Tony Gilroy. Like, normally, devoting this much time to each of these characters, you'd be like, ah, it's too spread too thin. But again, the theme is there. Like, each of the choices these people are making is, is very intriguing. Yeah. Just seeing him, his face after that battle and, you know, went horribly wrong and just... <laughs> Yeah, or just trying to give the speech to the to the commands. It was just the comments about Tim are hilarious. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> these are these are amazing. The, the fact that's coming in, I know people. I love that people are riding on Tim, man. It means people understand. Andor really gets us as Americans. It really gets us, and as uh, people just uh, living in the communities, trying not to get you know oppressed here. Can't have Tims running around like that. Irresponsible. But um, all right, so Andor, we will be following it. There are 12 episodes, as Matt said, in this first season, another 12 coming in season two. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's get this break out of the way, and then we're gonna come back. We got more Geek TV to talk about. We got House of the Dragon, She-Hulk, Rings of Power. Matt snuck in some Law and Order stuff. <laughs> he's having, there's a big Law and Order. Oh, crossover. so good. And Matt's feeling some kind of way, so we gotta let him get his shine. So uh, let's take a break, pay these bills. If you haven't and you're watching on YouTube right now, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching on Twitch, go check out the YouTube comments. They're, they're pretty fire today, and uh, subscribe while you're over there as well. We'll be right back, Comic Book Nation. But, um, all right, let's keep uh, on rolling. We got a lot of geek TV to get through. Um, House of the Dragon, I know we come at these so late because it's like, I almost forget to put these in every week because it's almost been a full week, right. but... Uh, we do have a new episode coming up this week, so let's just talk a little bit about, you know, more of the new episode that's coming and, you know, what we learned from last episode. Last episode was a wedding. It was called We Light the Way, and it was a wedding episode. And as you know anything of Game of Thrones, wedding episodes don't go so hot. Oh, but it God. led us to what is going to be a very pivotal episode six. If you're watching, you can see this trailer we're running is for the upcoming episode six this week of House of the Dragon. Which is where we're going to get this massive time jump, recasting of characters, a massive kind of introduction of new characters. And uh, yeah, this show's about to change in a significant way. And it's going to be really interesting to see how people react to it this week. Yeah. Um, the recastings alone are going to be pretty funny because uh, Millie Alcock and, oh man, I forgot the name of the actress who plays Allison, but she was also really excellent. Um, people have really kind of bonded to those two in their younger the younger mm -hmm. actresses. And so that alone is going to be kind of uh, disorienting. Emily Carey is the young Allison because stepping in this week are Emma Darcy as the adult Rihanna, or uh, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. Rihanna. Rihanna? Olivia <laughs> Cook. That'd yes. be amazing, right? That'd be amazing if it was Rihanna. Ella, uh, Ella, Ella. I'm going to bring the fire. Aya, aya. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we're going to have this kind of shuffle. But, um, you know, those actresses did get one hell of an episode send off in episode five with this wedding episode. Um, if you know anything about storytelling or uh, sounds so pretentious, but when you learn about storytelling, one of the things you learn is that parties are the worst thing to try to write, direct or create anything about because they're so hard. They yeah. seem so simple, but they're very hard. You've got to make a party that flows like a party, but also ha is the vehicle for all these emotions and deep-seated things coming out. Uh, Janelle, do not read into this at all. This is just talk. <laughs> um, yeah, but parties when all kinds of things kind of bubble to the surface and yeah. finally explode. And this is what this episode was really about. People's passions, um, their ambitions, and all of that came out in some pretty ugly ways during this wedding. Uh, not even the wedding. It was just the buildup, like the wedding, you know, rehearsal dinner or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, blood ended up on the floor because you can't get married in Game of Thrones without a little blood on the floor. <laughs> but um, like I said, this was the I think we'll look back at this as a pivot, very pivotal point of where we saw a lot of things that are going to come out in the rest of the season and really the rest of the show kind of fostered in this episode, uh, whether it's the obvious kind of insane heat between Damien, uh, Damon and uh, Rhaenyra, or things like Rhaenyra's choices really kind of messing with people like Kristen Cole, and you know, the green dress, which was hilariously on the nose, where like, do you know what a green dress means? 
in yeah, high much. Yeah, but uh, I mean, they had to explain it to the dummies, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like you gotta, like myself, you gotta explain everything to the dummies. But um, yeah, that was Queen Allison. Can you do that voice more often, please? What? That, that the green dress. Did you and- see the green dress? Do you know what it means? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, side shifting these two girls that were friends, you know, very much not becoming oh. friends. And it's hard for me to talk about because I'm in a Game of Thrones kind of hardcore obsessive. And uh, I've read, you know, the fire and blood stuff. I know kind of the loose history of all this. But um, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, and I'm really excited for this next episode and to see some of these young actors take on some of these key roles. But uh, how are you guys feeling about House of the Dragon right now, Matt? Um, not, yeah, Matt, as you remember, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm, had to I'm a newbie. I'm a, I'm a newbie to this whole thing. I, I've been loving this series. Um, actually, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit, but I kind of feel bad for uh, the you know other <laughs> huge <laughs> fantasy series that is also running right now because I feel like I'm giving like very little attention compared to this because like I'm I'm invested in this. I will say it is a little um, bittersweet when you see when you you do get attached to the characters and the and the actors playing them. But I love seeing how things play out through time. It's one of those mechanics I actually love in video games too, when they move the story forward in a in a bigger way and you get to see the ramifications of that and how that plays into the world. I love the stuff they're doing with that. But it is a little like, oh, I really, I really like them. And you have to kind of get used to that, you know, and it's uh but so far, I think the payoff is worth it. It's going to be worth it as as time goes on. So so far. I've really enjoyed this and I do actually have a plan after this is done, as long as like something doesn't go like horribly awry to watch like Game of Thrones, like to move from this into Game of Thrones, uh, depending on, I guess, if this gets re- I, I don't see how it would not get renewed. Oh, no, there's, already second, no okay. there's already second season. So like, I don't know if maybe I should wait until this story has like completely run its course and then jump in there. You know, like it might be a few years down the line, but like maybe I should wait. I don't know. But so far, I've been loving what they've been doing. here. I would watch at least season two. I was to say in a J.D. Smith artist. Yes. Um, now at this phase of my life, I would like to put it out there as my public file that. No, I have never partied. I do not know anything <laughs> about partying and never have done it. Please tell that to my children and also <coughs> this generation. I was a good non-partier. Thank you. Um. Moving right along, Janelle, let me ask you, because this is going to segue for our next thing. Um, I felt like I hit a decisive kind of fork in the road this week when it comes to these two shows. And Brywood kind of mentioned this in the, comics are, in the comments already. Janelle, how are you feeling about House of the Dragon compared to the Rings of Power after oh. these last two episodes? Oh, man. Remember, your so answer tough. is the only answer here. Nobody else. has. Yeah, an no, I mean, that's really tough because like I, I too struggle with it. I feel really bad. I don't feel, feel like I'm giving the proper attention to rings. But House of Dragon, man, that show, it's just so good. And I, I was really nervous about the time jump, too. But as long as I have my Matt Smith, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> like I can handle it. <laughs> I don't know. I just think I don't know. Yeah, you're about the, to get uh, an older zaddy Matt Smith, which we haven't seen before. Mm. Yeah, I'm down for it. I just love all the Targaryen hair. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> so I am totally team Targaryen. So the more Targaryens I see with the blonde hair, I just get so excited. <laughs> trying to be down with the camp? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm in the same way. This was the week where I just watched Rings of Power and I was just like, 
It's yep. a show I'm on. I wish I had laundry to fold, but like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's really pretty production. <laughs> it really is. Rings of Power yeah. is a gorgeous production. It really is. And there were some cool scenes in this episode this week, like Galadriel, her little sword instructional was, you know, that was really great choreography. But like, yeah, man, it's just, it just feels like Game of Thrones light. And I know that Lord of the Rings has endured much longer than Game of Thrones ever has. And is yes. much more worldwide famous and right. embedded in our culture than Game of Thrones is. But I'm just looking as a modern TV viewer in the streaming era. And it's just like, Rings of Power is not, if I didn't have to do this show, Rings of Power wouldn't be appointment viewing for me. Like, yeah. I would just be like, I'd be catching up on like three or four of those puppies in like one At long once. movie block one day when I was bored. Yeah. But it, it just isn't keeping up pace with House of the Dragon. And I just find the kind of the mysteries that I only half understand to begin with. Because unless you've read so many kind of Tolkien compendiums, like some of these mysteries are just beyond people. Yeah. Like week to week being like, is that new Gandalf? Is that good Sauron? It's just like, it's not enough for me of a hook. So, <laughs> um, you know, I know how I know Amazon's already invested in two seasons of this. And I will say the end of this episode gave me hope that maybe things are going to start to get like a little bit more, yeah. you know, down to the grindstone of like every week if you're having some kind of, because Lord of the Rings, I don't think is great as a talkie. I mean, Lord of the Rings either has big battles or quests that take you on like an adventure, right? Yeah. We haven't really had And it's either. not doing either of those. Yeah. yeah we've know. literally all just been kind of standing in place. I mean, the more the Harfoots are the most traveling we get. And, yeah. you know, there's that. So I agree. I think you're I think you're right on the money with that. I think it's the fact that it whereas we talked about Andor like having, you know, hitting the ground running, but still like taking maybe three episodes to to really flesh out this whole arc but you're getting a sense of who the person is. Lord of the Rings of Power has like, is fleshing out this world, and I appreciate that, and a lot of characters, but they have still yet to give me like, why, like th there's still like the hook of why she Just care why. about this, about what are we doing now? You know, like, yes, Boba Fett, we got on it for the same reasons, but it had a built-in thing of like, well, we know at some point, like, <laughs> he's gonna like go do some Boba Fett things. Like we knew that was coming, even though people were like, oh, why are we kind of taking this road? Here, I just, every episode that comes, it doesn't give you that thing. And it's just exacerbated by the fact that <laughs> so the dragon is also the same week and you're watching these things. I, I just, I think ultimately if these were movies, like if they were like movies where they just happen to release on the same weekend, right? Like that happens all the time. And sometimes you talk about like how one gets dwarfed by the other. That would be unfortunate, but maybe people discover it afterwards. But like, it's just the fact that these are on the same collision course every week. And I just, I don't know who, I know Lord of the Rings has a big, it's, it's huge. It's a huge IP. And there was a lot of hype coming into this. But why do you schedule it to go at the same time like around the same time frame something's overlap i get it but like come on like, like you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot before you even get off the finish line or sorry off the starting line yeah that was a mistake to me that was a mistake looking back i mean yeah yeah and it might have been smart and i see people in the comments saying that you know one of these could conceivably help to push the other no um, yeah, but I don't see it. I when think, does that happen, though, yeah, really? I know. That, right. didn't, that didn't happen with Ms. Marvel and Obi-Wan. Ms. Marvel got, got like, Obi-Wan had already kind of taken off, and then to put that out there, like, that got criticized a lot for the same 
reasons. And maybe Disney thought, oh, well, one, we get everybody hyped for Disney Plus. It'll help Ms. Marvel. That didn't happen. People discovered Ms. Marvel after the fact, after Obi-Wan yeah. was done. So, and then kind of went like, oh, I've been missing some things. And then went and filled in the blanks. Like, to me, I don't think that worked. I think it, it might work, but it's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a mistake. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of tending to lean towards you. And <laughs> I, well, I was going to say I got lost and see if YouTube was back. It is not. Um, <laughs> um, what I was going to say was that I think it could have been better if if they always just gave us one kind of fantasy TV big offering. If one had kind of dovetailed off the other, like one ran, one ended, then the other began. Or if there was like one week where there was a finale of one and a premiere of the other that could have propelled people to keep up that fantasy itch yeah. and being like, and if Lord of the Rings had come second, it would probably be like, well, this is not as good, but you know, yeah, it's still fantasy TV. It's scratching my itch, you know? So or if we got in there first right. before we knew how better it could be, you know, that, <laughs> you know, that's also right. a good strategy. But, and, uh, and like JD brings up in the comments, there is a difference to me between a weekly television program that is always weekly like wrestling, right? Because yes, those always get compared to each other, but those are, those are weekly for like ever. Like there, there's no stopping point to those. Here, like all, and someone else brought it up in the comments and it might've been um, Brywood. All this does is the weekly talk about Lord of the Rings is typically like how it's not as good as the other. Like to me, there is a thing such as bad publicity. <laughs> like that whole rule of like, there's nothing like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. No, there is, there is, there is bad publicity. And if your one show keeps getting talked about as the also ran, that's not good to me. <laughs> that's not a good thing every week. People are talking about it every week, but not in a positive way. So I don't know. I don't think that that, you know, holds up. But yeah. That's just me. But that's just me. I understand. Some people have different yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after this, because um, this week could switch things up, right? Because we mm-hmm. got the time jump in House of Dragon. It could throw people off. And Lord of the Rings looks like they're actually getting out there and getting ready to get into something. So there's going to be some battles coming up for sure. Um, yeah, hope so. We'll see. All right. Well, that's it on the fantasy TV front. Matt went in. I love a Matt rant. Haven't had well, one. I just answered some comments. That's all. No, no. I, you had a good fun. Matt rant. We haven't had one. <laughs> Sounds a fun. We have not had one of those in a long time. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm also just watching things. I mean, Sports World's just, I mean, Sports World's almost crazier right now than, you know, entertainment world. What's going on with the Celtics? Anyway. What's going on with a lot of these coaches? What is happening? What like, is happening? Yeah, this is not a sports show. That's in the other studio, but <laughs> sometimes we might have to deviate because sporting's getting wilder than, uh, than a Game of Thrones episode. All right. Oh, man. So let's talk about something, the other wedding, on a more lighthearted wedding note Yay. for Janelle. Well, I don't know, because if this happens at your wedding, then it's not good either. Um, there was a major throwdown at a wedding this week on She-Hulk. And uh, we got to do that, which I've heard a lot of responses from female viewers who have said this, that in a sly way, this episode really did nail kind of a lot about weddings for, for, for women. Um, is like, I've heard the comment, if you've ever been a bridesmaid before, this episode gave you life in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Janelle, let's start you off. How did oh this hit gosh. you? Did this, give, did this give you any issues when you were watching it this week? Did this trigger <laughs> you in any kind of way? No, it just made me so happy. I seriously feel like the universe was like trying to wave at me or something. <laughs> these episodes, it was awesome. I, I definitely relate to her in the bridesmaids department. I've actually 
rejected being a bridesmaid before. <laughs> oh wow! Ooh. So you were like, like someone's like, "Will you, you be my bridesmaid?" I was like, "No," because <laughs> yeah. that's what Nikki said. She was just like, "Say no." Yeah, yeah, that's I. W- yeah, and I have, uh, but I I completely understand this. Um, the only thing that I'm I'm just trying to kind of understand like where the villain is and like what the big like the greater issue is going to be. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of my only question with She-Hulk right now. I'm enjoying this fun ride and I'm super it's re- very relatable and I'm having a blast, but I just um I feel like I don't really know what the bigger picture is yet and so I am looking forward to that. That's a good jumping off point. Perfect. Perfect execution. Yay! <laughs> Wife material right there. All right. So, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> That is a good question. And that's the question that, you know, people have been asking and our, you know, our cousin podcast, Phase Zero, the Marvel podcast, actually did in their live recap of this episode of She-Hulk, which is raising the question of how Marvel is structuring these shows where they have to have these surprise villains almost embedded in each one of them in order to almost, and the question is, is this being done purposefully and artificially to keep us talking and keep us guessing and keep us writing spec pieces week to week to week to week to week throughout the show. So we have something to guess and do fan theories. And part of me kind of suspects that was part of the overall formula of these first couple phase of Disney plus Marvel shows. It was almost like mandated. You got to have a secret villain because it is kind of weird by the time like we're getting, you know, just we were all guessing about Falcon and the Winter Soldier and like, you know, who was the power broker or, you know, WandaVision, like who's really pulling off this kind of, you know, who's messing with Wanda. Is it Mephesto? You know, all this week. It was not. It was not. Spoiler. <laughs> um, or Loki and is Kang coming and where and how and all this. And, you know, we, we've just been in Hawkeye. Oh, Kingpin, what? Like, you know, this whole thing. And, and, it, and it kind of just, it's fun to do it, but we ultimately feel kind of disappointed by the end result, right? We always come away saying the last few episodes of the actual fight are the least satisfying, with the exception of maybe He Who Remains, which some people hated. Loki, the ending was a big talk, oh, but I loved, I loved it. And yeah, I thought Jonathan Majors did a great job, but I have to respect the opinions of people who said, no, that wasn't for me. But um, yeah, and it's getting kind of tired, but uh, She-Hulk has made it especially confusing. But just to catch us up to where we are, in this episode, we found out there's a website called The Intelligentsia, which is a spin on the Marvel cabal of you know, nerdy, intelligent, you know, science villains who get together to try to do evil science things to kind of, you know, or mystical things to kind of change the world. Not for the better. And this, it's a Reddit form full of kind of invos, like, I don't even know, I forget that word. Uh, what is it? Incels. Of uh, incels hating on She-Hulk, and it gets darker as the thread goes on, and you realize embedded in this form is an actual threat, some kind of science-based organization led by somebody is plotting to actually get Jen's blood. And so even though She-Hulk is not really leaning into this heavily, the real threat in this is Jen's unique Hulk blood getting Mm -hmm. out there into the MCU. And she's not really aware of this yet. And so the show doesn't really put a heavy stamp on it. Her friends are beginning to get aware of it. But this episode really teased that there is somebody orchestrating this, pulling the strings of this, and they're coming at her now with you know, a, a syringe that's going to, you know, give a lot of people therapeutic problems. Um, but it, it's an extra heavy duty syringe yeah. to kind of get her Hulk blood. 
And Jen, her Hulk blood getting out can spark a whole bunch of stuff that Matt, I'm sure could tell you about in the comics, but it could make a whole new line of gamma based, you know, creatures or characters. And this could all tie directly into what we're seeing coming up the pike in Captain America New World Order, which we know the leader is going to be the villain of, but we don't know why. Right. And like, what is he actually doing? And if it's all about somebody giving, you know, New World Order, meaning villains, this next stage of power or enhancement in various ways, whether it's Hulk blood, super soldier serum, we've seen technology that could tie back into the Iron Man stuff, like an Armor Wars title, like, you know, there, it, it just seems like that's where we're yeah. pulling pieces off from various shows, the more kind of grounded shows, right? Because yeah, the Super Soldier Serum was all about Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is a grounded show that has Hulk blood in it. And so I think that's what we're building up to, but you're not gonna feel that effect really heavily in She-Hulk. And I feel like we're gonna get this kind of rushed final battle about it. And I'll be interested to see how it resolves, but that's just my theory. Well, how many episodes of She-Hulk are there? Seven? Um, because we're on six, nine. Right? I think there's nine. There's nine. Yeah. Okay. So, if it was seven, <laughs> I would, I'd be a little like, uh, probably a little more pessimistic on the. Are they gonna nail the landing? If it's nine, we still got three. So I can, you can do some. For me, it's a it, this. The next episode is actually probably the biggest turning point as far as or how I how I view the show, because if right now the show is in its sitcom pocket and then it just has kind of little teases of this kind of larger story stuff you were talking about. Right. Um, and also the villain right now is more the concept of her blood getting out than any one person. Right. So it's not really like, oh, this person is a main antagonist. Yes. as we're seeing on the screen, right. She has a nemesis, but she's more of just the, a character in a sitcom that plays that role as opposed to like your traditional Marvel MCU villain. Oh, this is the person we're going to throw down with at the end. Yes, you, you assume that's going to happen, but also in the comics, they've played with that theory before of, of different characters kind of either joining up or maybe just not running, not colliding like you expect them to. So Next episode, though, whichever way they lean will kind of dictate what kind of show we're going to get as this ends. I, I'm perfectly fine with its sitcom pocket. I think it's fun that way. And I think it's kind of doing the opposite of Andor, but in the same thing, right? It's expanding the MCU with a different type of show. That's what She-Hulk has done to this point. So if then over the last three episodes, we sort of move into full on traditional MCU territory, I will probably feel a little bummed because that's not the type of show you sold me on. I like this show. If we if we keep the sitcom thing going, I'd almost rather them do that and then just plant and continue to plant teases and, and let's not do a full on MCU throwdown. But I have this feeling we're going to get that. Well, I don't know. I'm conflicted. My theory is that what this show has been doing is taking Jen at several kind of aspects at a time, right? They've been taking her as Jen and what's going on with her mm -hmm. there. They've been taking her as She-Hulk and trying to navigate where she fits in as She-Hulk. I think what's gonna come in that hasn't been in the show is her actual superhero motivation. Right. She has been totally reluctant. Yeah, she still doesn't wanna yeah. be one. <laughs> and I think the episode with Daredevil, which I suspect, I do not know, I do not know, but I suspect could be the next one, will be this kind of sensei-senpai episode, if you know your anime, where 
she meets somebody who can actually help her find the balance and perspective yeah. on both sides of her life. Somebody who lives it is a lawyer by day yeah. and a superhero by night. I have a life outside yeah. of this. Yeah. And says, you know, you can have both and here's how you both and here's my personal motivation for why I do it. Um, <clears throat> I can, you know, affect justice that I can't in the courtroom this way and you may need to do this too and blah, blah, blah. And that'll help her really kind of find her own perspective for that. And once you get the Daredevil thing in, I think then she'll have to face, you'll have an episodes where she has to basically take on both sides of her life. There's a big court case. Yeah. There's a big superhero threat, again, where we kind of start in the first episode, but on a bigger scale. Yeah. And we spend the last two episodes kind of dealing with showing Jen managing all sides yeah. of her life and coming out confident and being like, I, I just don't this. want them to lose the, the, <laughs> the comedic timing feel that they have now to me refined a lot of ways since that first i don't want them to lose that and go because i love that that yeah. sounds like a great ending if they can also keep the other stuff intact because they've made this show this show is that and that's why it works to me because yeah. if you just examine it on mcu-ness alone yes there's a lot of like cool fun easter eggs and whatever but there's not really anything tangentially like that it's adding hugely to the MCU and stuff. If you just base it off that alone, I think you would be disappointed. If you just base it off the comedy alone, you might be like, well, it's not as funny as other sitcoms, right? It's the merging of both. It's, it's the combo that makes it special. Janelle, now that we have successfully mansplained, <coughs> how do you feel about all this and how the show should end? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, as long as they keep the same wit and humor that's going on, I'll be happy with anything. I would like to see uh, her cousin back. Like, mm -hmm. where is the Hulk? Like, where is he? Because <laughs> she's been trying to reach out to him and she can't get a oh, hold I of him. Oh, I thought you meant Chet. I was like, definitely more Chet. <laughs> DJ Chet, we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I, I would be fine. I would be, I'm, this is the easy show for my week. Like I look forward to it every week. It's kind of like equivalent. It's on the same level as like dancing with the stars or uh, like the bachelorette. Like it's just easy programming. I like watching it. I, I don't want them to do something insanely epic. That's going to just like mess up the whole entire flow of the right. show, but some type of baddie, would be good. Uh, and I hope that, you know, whoever's trying to get her blood does not end up having it. I hope that nothing too like explosive is happening with that. But uh, regardless, like I'm in it, I'm in this for sure. I would say that in order of kind of the weekly shows that we've been tuning in on, um, this is probably my number one, honestly, mm -hmm. even over House of Dragon. Okay. So there yeah. we go. Wait, I mean, I think that's the only thing that needs to be said, right? <laughs> Yeah. Everything me and Matt yeah. said, who cares? Uh, that's, that's the <laughs> bottom line. There you go. Janelle, final word on that. That is She-Hulk. Matt, you want to you gush? Over real, the, real quick. Yeah, I'm going to make go, it real quick because we got stuff to do. do Last it. night was a giant, epic three-show crossover with the uh, Law & Order universe there with Law & Order, SVU, and Organized Crime. And they kind of teased it as like, hey, it's like really a three-hour movie. And typically that is... To me, anyway, when like EPs and like people, showrunners and stuff like that, this is really like a movie. It's most times not. It's most times, no, you can feel that that's three episodes or two episodes put together. And that's really two shows in a row. This was not that. This was a three hour movie and three hours went by like that. And I was like, 
I was stoked. People were pissed at some points. People were really happy. Like it had all the ebbs and flows there. Uh, all three shows really got to be part of the mix. I will say the like the Law and Order, like the original Law and Order cast, um, probably got the least time, and I probably had issues with that part more than anything else. But that was more about like circumstances that happened within the show more than like, hey, that actor is not doing like it wasn't that it was story related. Um, but there was some big people. Uh, well, OK, two things to come out from this. Number one, uh, Anthony Anderson left last season. And so we got the debut of and I hope I'm saying it right. Is it Makad? Makad Brooks. Brooks OK, yeah. Makad Brooks, Supergirl fame, loved him in that show. He is the new detective partner in the like Law and Order flagship show. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's so good. Like it, it was like 20 minutes in and people were already like on social media, like, oh, he can stay. Yes, we're, we're happy for it. He was awesome. So if you're going to replace someone like Anthony Anderson, that was a great pick because he's already hit the ground running. Man, you need a big, sexy black guy and Idris Elba's hey. booked. <laughs> That's where it's, you go to. It's so good. And people got a big stabler, you know, stabler being stabler fight. Uh, a lot of the Olivia Benson moments. The other big thing was, uh, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes drama coming into this show this season because of uh, people being like written off the show and exiting. And the biggest character, obviously, is Amanda Rollins. Uh, she didn't get much time last night, but then I, I don't know if I should go into like full spoilers here. Probably but not. Yeah. So something happens to that character that people were very upset about because also of the all the backstage real life drama that has been happening. So there was a lot of, a lot of activity, a lot of people passionate either way. Uh, there was a, uh, some heartbreaking stuff that happens kind of in the middle. Um, I, this was awesome. So this was three hours. It's on Peacock now. You should definitely go check it out. Um, I don't actually know if it's on Hulu yet. Or no, not. it's on Peacock. No. Okay. Yeah. Peacock so now that deal's done. <laughs> that deal's done. So, um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Also the next episodes next week, there will hopefully be more crossovers, but like next week it's kind of like, all of the shows get their own proper premiere. But this was definitely worth checking out if you've got three hours to spare. This is awesome. Um, in the comments, uh, uh, first of all, have you seen John Oliver's Law & Order? Second? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I watched did you, it. How'd you feel? I thought it was kind of, as someone who actually watches John Oliver every week and also really enjoyed the one he did on WWE, yeah. something I cover all the time, and he made a lot of great points and a lot of valid arguments in that one. I thought the Law & Order one was kind of a big... He made very obvious points. There were things people have talked about now for a long time with Law and Order. It's, so it wasn't like anything new. It was kind of like almost like a big nothing burger. I was like, okay, well, I was expecting some kind of typically when he comes like that, he's got really well, when he when he comes prepared <laughs> to a topic like that. He has some things that are like smoking guns. Yeah. He really has a couple of things that are like, oh my God, I that didn't know that. And this well, it was not, it was just kind of a broad thing. And I, so I agree with him on a lot of things, but it wasn't like I mean, anything that kind of shocked having me. Having lived in New York for 10 years, I could tell you, uh, one thing I do know about Law and Order is it gives a lot of people jobs. It gives a lot of people jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are out there in the New York streets filming all the time and it gives a lot of people jobs in production. So that's yeah. all I'm going to say about it. But, um, Moving right along, um, in the comments, yes. Uh, we know, I've heard and saw right before I came in here, the Loki season true trailer leaked online. Um, obviously, we're not gonna get into that because we want Disney to like us. So. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't see that. They're talking to you. Oh wait, you have other things on your mind, I forget. Um, yeah, yes. what's wrong with me? In this timeline, you are getting married tomorrow, but in, in other timelines, time. you're watching a Loki season two trailer. Um, <laughs> The Janelle variant. Yeah, the Janelle is variant watching. is already watching it. Um, 
So, uh, before we move on to comics, I just want to shout out, um, I didn't make, it's Janelle's wedding week, so I didn't make you guys do anything too dark this week, but uh, the new mini docu-series Dahmer is on oh, Netflix. Oof. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, WandaVision, Ralph Boner himself, Evan Peters. Yo. Oh my God. There's been this weird thing that's been happening, and I don't usually do Kofi rants because they can hurt people's brains, but um, like I will <laughs> say, I was talking with my wife because we've been watching Dahmer together because that's the kind of marriage we have. Um, and we were talking about how they're all these series, you know, Pam and Tommy, Dahmer, some other things that just make you realize we were really screwed up in the 90s. We went through some really screwed up <laughs> things that just, we normalized. Yeah. Like we grew up with a serial killer cannibal and we were just like, oh yeah, we made Dahmer jokes, right? But then you watch <laughs> this stuff now, or just like the Pam and Tommy tape and things like that, and you watch this stuff now, and even dramatized, you're just like, we were really screwed up. Like, yeah. like that this was a normal part of our culture. Yeah. A serial killing cannibal is just nuts. And we were listening to Hannibal Lecter. We really had a cannibal phase in the 90s, guys. I don't know what was going on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a screwed up time. Kind of screwed up time. But uh, yeah, it's a really disturbing series. Evan Peters is excellent. And yeah, Ryan Murphy is just getting paid for making us all feel uncomfortable. Oof, but um, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that next week when... Janelle has a chance to... Speaking, you know, okay, real quick before we get into comics. Speaking of creepy things, please stop showing me the smile trailer. Oh, man, please I wanted to see that. I almost stop. made a, I almost went out and saw that this week. It's in every feed. Yeah, it doesn't matter do it. where I yeah. go. Yeah, that, oh, I'm going to watch that. We were, yeah, we're going to get creepy. It's the start of October coming up. We're getting creepy next week. The ad see, is uh, everywhere. Yeah, I'm going to go see Smile. We're going to watch Dahmer. We're going to start creeping out on this podcast. Halloween season, I can't wait. All Halloween right. kills and just coming out. <laughs> It's gonna be a good October, people. The movie Pocus too. Oh, Hocus Pocus too. Oh, there it yeah. is. Yeah, it's a it's a smorgasbord of ghost stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, smile. People who smile like that creep me out. I can't yeah, take man. It. No, I can't take it. And so, and uh, you can't surprise me. I'm going through like Facebook feed, and it's just right there, and somebody's just kind of staring at me. Chris, like, stop it, stop it. You cannot ruin smiles for me. <laughs> All right, you can't. There's fundamental things in life you cannot ruin for me. Thought you I cannot did a long ruin time ago like baby office. monkeys. You can't ruin those. You can't ruin Grogu's. You can't ruin other things. Smiles are one of them. Please don't screw up smiles. It's good me. to know that, you know, looking over at me when we used to work across from each other on Friday nights, I never ruined smiles for you. That's, no, you tried. That's, you that's tried. Validated. He played that Joker trailer 90 million times and would just <laughs> oh, stare man. at me, waiting for me to turn around. <laughs> I forgot about that. And it was so creepy. I uh, did. I couldn't stop playing that trailer, could I? I swear. Anyway, Ooh, all right. right. Moving to the comics. Comics. Uh, so we're going to start off with, uh, ironically, uh, a comic that probably fits right into the kind of the, the horror, darker, darker stuff here. Exterminators. Oh, number one. What? No way. This no, in a fun way. I yeah, was not in a fun, in a fun the way. The she okay, but there's a lot of blood in this and there's oh, a lot yeah. of kind of over the top kind of gory stuff. But it was it's in a very different way. Uh, so Exterminators number one features three of my favorite characters. So you knew this was going to be on the list. Mm -hmm. It's Jubilee, <laughs> it's Boom Boom, and it's Dazzler. I was like, oh man, that's, they just went through Matt's like list of all-time favorite X-Men. Well, the logic <laughs> for bringing them together is sort of like, how has nobody ever thought about that? Right, before? yes. And there's actually a really good reason for these three ladies to get together. It's, it's you know, this essentially they end up in this, I honestly thought it was going to be um, a, an arcade Typically, when like these kinds of things happen, it's always in X Men world. It's always arcade, <laughs> or it's mojo, or it's mojo, yeah, mojo. Um, we're working together, and so, but here it's just the, the the fun that these three characters 
have together in like these awful circumstances. They end up kind of finding themselves trapped in this uh, Jubilee's like handcuffed to a monster truck that she can't actually, there's no brakes and her, <laughs> her foot is like attached to the pedal. Uh, Dazzler's in this place where like all of these monsters are and they're attracted to name. light. It's a dark moon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Boom Boom's actually in this, hers is kind of different. Yeah, it's a river of methane. Uh, but just, I know all this because I was like, this is so weird and twisted it's and screwed so up. It's so cool like, though. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm just stuck in memory. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So I, I really just enjoyed how, you know, how far they went with things. Uh, it's, even in the dialogue, I thought like, oh wow, they're, they're kind of pushing the, you know, PG side oh, of Marvel. Yeah. This was definitely the post-college ladies. <laughs> but it was, but I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it because it's just so different compared to everything else we have going on in the X-Men world right now. And they just took advantage of the characters themselves. They're fun. It was charming. The action's just crazy. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad this is around, but what'd you guys think? Janelle, now that we've also thoroughly mansplained exterminators <laughs> to you, what did you think did you, is about this one a of the female-led X-Men book? Yeah, I'm very, I've been so highly curious. Because <laughs> just background, if you're a new listener, Janelle, part of this show, and I don't think we stress this enough, and we really should, people have been responding about it is, we threw Janelle on this show because she was like, I don't read comics. And we were like, perfect, get on this show. We're gonna, make, we're gonna see what happens in a live experiment when we turn somebody into a comic reader and just have them <laughs> deal with the absurdity of oftentimes what is in comics. So you've had a notoriously hard time. X-Men is probably down on your list of like all comic characters we've read that you enjoy. How did you feel about a kind of more adult angled female led X-Men book? It was bad bleep. I mean, can I say the ASS word? There yeah. we go. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was badass. It yeah, was we got so a hard PG-13. We get one. <laughs> it was so good. Okay, worth it. Uh, yeah, it was so, it was so awesome. Um, I, fun fact, my community has been calling me Dazzler for like a year now. And I didn't really ever understand. I'm like, who is this? Like, okay, cool. Sure. It sounds cool. It sounds like Gem. I was thinking like gem in the hologram yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Um, so that's very, that's very relevant for me, but yeah, this was my first taste, my first look at these gals and they are so fun. And the art was so poppy and yeah. bright and beautiful. And it felt very like eighties vibes. And I just like, I was gobbling it up. I read it immediately when you sent it. And so it's been quite some time since I did. I think I read it on Sunday. Because oh, wow. I was just so excited. Like I saw the title or I saw the cover and I was like, oh, I need to read this right now. <laughs> so worth it. So good. Really fun. Uh, yeah. And and I want to I want more Dazzler. Like I feel like if I looked more at these X-Men, I would be more engaged. <laughs> awesome. No. That, that, well, Janelle, in the comics, somebody asked if you are Liv Morgan from WWE. Oh, man. I that too. I'm that, also yeah. Liv Morgan. <laughs> Oh, I'm man. also Targaryen. <laughs> yeah. I'm all the things. Liv Morgan's amazing. Yeah. That's an awesome, I mean, that's that's an awesome that, comparison. That was not a bad question. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, <laughs> deserved a little uh, ego boost. I mean, going in, people are asking, are you a uh, you know, all-star female sports performer? What did you think of the book? Me? <laughs> I thought it was absolutely balls to the walls, crazy, and I loved it. At first, <laughs> I was like, what is happening? And then I was like, okay, I'm with it. Um, I loved the characterization and seeing these, getting these ladies out in a more of an adult female setting yeah. where they're talking to each other. Like I know 
actual adult women talk to each other um, and still nailing their characters. Like Dazzler is still that L.A. kind mm -hmm. of girl, performer, entertainer, entertainment industry person. Jubilee still very much Jubilee. Um, and, uh, you know, Boom Boom is secretly like the joke of Boom Boom is that she's like white trash. Her name's Tabitha. And that was a big arc in the 90s with her yeah. and Sabretooth was him playing upon her and doing that whole Silence of the Lambs. You ever get in, you get from Stone Mountain or if you're going from Georgia, running all the way to the FBI. You know, that whole <laughs> speech that Sabretooth gives her. Um, if you don't know your 90s comics, I'm sorry, oh but God, that's no. one of my favorite I just need more voices from COVID. I just need more voices. Yeah, yeah I mean, but... Um, killed it today. And so they did a good job of still making Boom Boom that kind of ditzy, less than classy kind of person that she is with the whole Barbie outfit and everything. But her, like, line when she comes in, like, bitch, you didn't tell me this was casual wear. <laughs> like, stuff like that. It was just details like that are really funny yeah. and really good. It's, it's details like that that really get, like... When you have female-driven things by actual creators who understand this stuff, like right. details like that, or like one of my favorite things of all time is still um, what is it, Birds of Prey? When the final fight, when they tossing hair ties to each other, yeah, and, like in the middle of the fight, which is just like you know great details like that. So I ended up enjoying and winning me over. I still have no idea what this book is really about, but uh, it was one hell of a first issue. It wasn't boring, uh, yeah, like some of our first issues are. No, uh, Leah Williams. Uh, did an amazing job there. I'm very excited to uh, to stick around for that for that series. Um, so let's move into another one. The, our last book of the week this week, uh, Batman the Night, number nine. This is the penultimate issue. We've only got one more to go. <sighs> one more. I know we have thoroughly enjoyed this. This one really paid off a lot of things, revealed a lot of things uh, as far as like Ghostmaker is concerned. Roz is concerned. There's a lot of stuff here that we have questions on, obviously, but uh, this really... Bruce and Anton's story really is coming to a head and we're going to get that next issue. But this issue was, I, I adore the series. It's no secret that yeah, I love the series. Be one of the greatest collected uh, editions that there is. And people, I think, I think it doesn't get, a, it's gotten a lot of acclaim, but I don't think it's gotten enough readership for how good, like yeah. this is going to go down as one of the classic iconic Batman stories. Like, I don't think anybody else is going to do a story about how Batman did his training years better than this, at least not for a long time. Yeah. And so this fills in a lot of gaps. And how they've woven Ghostmaker into this <sighs> is just masterful because he's such right. a new character. Yeah. And they've already and it was always kind of like, OK, you feel like you're wedging like an alternate Batman in here. And they've done that every couple. Yeah. At least once a decade, we get an attempt at an alternate Batman, whether it's as bat or Dick Grayson Batman, or just Which whatever. I adore Dick Grayson Batman. Yeah. But they always try to give us an alternative <laughs> Batman, but Ghostmaker now feels like he's going to become his own character in his own right, mm -hmm. and, and has a thoroughly deep, connective story to Bruce Wayne yeah. through this series um, than we could have ever expected. And yeah, Bruce's relationship with Anton and, and that whole story is fascinating. And to see it come around, and we've kind of always suspected, and I wrote about this, that this was going to be yeah. a Ghostmaker story and Anton was Ghostmaker, but Chip Zdarsky knows Batman so well that he used a name and a story name called The Knight uh, that showed that made all us nutcase hardcore Batman fans be like, well, he could be talking about the Night Slayer who was named Anton and, and you know, you know, he had his whole history and he was a martial artist. He went around the world and studied martial arts too. And we could just be retconning this. And so like, but no, it's a Ghostmaker story and it's also the first time we've ever seen, and I had to check on this because everybody in, in our comic section was like, I'm not touching that. But um, this is the first time we've seen the first meeting of 
Bruce, Bruce. Wayne and Ra's al Ghul actually kind of fleshed out outside of the movies, outside yeah. of Batman Begins um, in the comics. And yeah, it was really well done from just seeing how Bruce first meets Ra's and Talia to kind of seeing how Anton be stepped up to be kind of what Ra's wanted from yeah. Bruce and knowing this ultimately probably doesn't work out and just getting this last issue just, just going to be a duel. Yeah. We talk about how first issues have to do all this setup, but I remember where this started and I did not like this first issue. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but seeing where this is going to end with just a duel and having earned all this complexity to make a fight that actually has deep emotional stakes to it is, is yeah, Chip Zdarsky's done a like, it's impressive. fantastic Janelle, job. how are you feeling? Oh my gosh. I love Anton. Like I love <laughs> the two of them. That is, I've just been clinging to that relationship this whole time and seeing even just the start, just the start of this book, like they're like going through the desert and mm -hmm. their banter. And I told you, and I know you told me and you never <laughs> listen. And it's just, it's just great. Like I love them together and anything Ra's al Ghul, I get really pumped about because of like the Arrowverse. That's right. how I know Ra's al Ghul. And, uh, and so that's, it's just further exploration into that, like his, who he is and, and what, his whole society is about and all that. I just love all of it. Um, I think it just gives so much context and it's so rewarding. Like I am sick of Batman. We know this, but I am not sick of this one. Like this needs to be, this has, has to be brought to some type of screen. Like sure. has to, has to. Yeah. So I think good. that is, I think that is the number one. I couldn't agree more. I think this, I need to see that. I don't care what it is, really, because I think it actually works as a show. Mm -hmm. It would work as a as a movie. Uh, it would yeah. like there are aspects of that you can do this in several ways and adapt it. And it's compelling. And I think we finally Ghostmaker. I, I've really enjoyed Ghostmaker stuff, even when he was first introduced. But he's been lifted above the oh that's a really cool design and that that's a, there's a lot of promise there to an actual character uh it's it's really cool to see all those tethers uh and i think also i think it's a, a amazing endorsement that even when you are in batman fatigue which you are not alone there's a lot of batman books and dc just announced like a ton more right yeah. there's a lot of stuff there's batman fatigue. that batman joker thing better be good there's batman fatigue <laughs> but even when that is the case you can still recognize oh this is really great storytelling and i'm enjoying this i think that says i think that says a lot um mm -hmm. so yeah definitely uh, recommend that uh, i know we need to go so Get quick that hbo max yeah series. seriously man uh quick mentions uh vanish number one also came out uh that is donny cates and ryan stegman's new original creator series uh that was that was also very interesting got off to a really good start so i would definitely recommend that also radiant black number 18 uh is all about me as a, yes they did nice. <laughs> it's all about radiant yellow ironically the issue uh it is phenomenal it's a wonderful issue and you can actually if you're curious about the world uh but don't necessarily want to like just jump all in you can actually just read this it's about one particular character and if that vibes with you then jump on the series but it's a fantastic issue uh also our pull list uh, we'll be up on the Comic Book Nation YouTube next week. Uh, we had the premiere episode, doing a little tweaking behind the scenes on that. And then uh, this coming week, we will have that going for Wednesday. Uh, and then real quick, 
Just want to talk before we go, uh, a couple of things coming to the site. We've got a 3000 Scoundrels review, an amazing new board game that is coming. Star Wars Villainous is also coming uh, soon. So check out those on the site when they are up. And then we will have a lot of Power Rangers content very soon because Dino Fury is hitting Netflix on September 29th. And I am excited. <laughs> and Yay, also, Matt. we might have some cool Power Rangers stuff uh, on the show as well soon, very soon. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, stick around for that. And uh, last but not least, uh, had a chance to speak to um, the writer of Batman Beyond the White Knight. Uh, I Ooh. had a chance to uh, look at some interesting things for how that series closes and i cannot oh my god i cannot wait to talk about that more so definitely check a look for that on the site as well so that's me all right thank you matt this has been the latest episode of comic book nation season four episode 38 we've been doing this forever we want to thank you guys for joining us be sure to subscribe on our youtube page youtube backslash comic book nation also follow us on twitter and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Just be a super fan and do all three. <laughs> also, everybody, if you're on socials, be sure to throw a little love and congratulations to Janelle Wheeler's way. She's getting married this week um, to her own Steve Rogers, Max. Uh, shout out to Max. Congratulations. Shout out to Janelle. Congratulations. And uh, yeah, throw a little love and support her way. Weddings need those good vibes. So thank you guys again for being fans. And uh, we'll see you guys next week on Comic Book Nation. Peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>